Uh, I got to get a lot into you. And by the way, a lot of scripture. I believe that the Bible says it better. I should let the scripture speak. And so you're going to hear a lot of scripture today, um, but um, we're going to walk through this. We are going to be doing, whoa, that's fun. Uh, We're going to be, there we go. The darkness works for me. You don't need to see me. I'm good. Um, So we are going to be doing uh, this series uh, for the next, actually we started last week and continue on on this whole concept of a God um, who sustains us. So we're calling this uh, series, uh, this concept of sustenance. That do we believe that God is our sustenance in all ways of our lives? And we kind of opened the door last week and we looked into that and this idea of God being the sustainer. And we showed that through what he did when he was with the people of Israel as he sustained them in those 40 years and set the example that his desire to sustain us. And I showed you this. This is literally the, the, the Webster's Dictionary definition of uh, this idea of sustenance. Um, one, means of support, maintenance, or subsistence. Food, provision, also nourishment. Um, two, the act of sustaining, the state of being sustained. And I walked you through this idea that, again, a child feels that way. Again, they're just sustained. The food is there. The heat is there. All those things are taken care of by supplying, being supplied with the necessities of life. And the third thing that I looked at last week was this idea of something that gives support, endurance, or strength. And on that last one, something that gives support, endurance, or strength— nor, nothing can be more true than what we're going to look at to the idea of today that the Holy Spirit is a part of the sustenance that we have. That God gave us his Holy Spirit to help to sustain us. That he is not a God that is out there, that is worshipped out there, but that he comes in and dwells in us, and by the way, begins to move in us and speak with us, and is a part of that sustaining power. And so, like I said, I have a lot of stuff to give to you. So let's look at this. This is Jesus speaking when he reads uh, from, the, uh, from the book of the law, and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind and to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. And he said, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And again, that causes this big commotion because he's saying, look, I'm, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one who comes. But notice this first line, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And so in that process, we have Christ that understands that it is through the spirit within him that he is, he is fulfilling all the things that God has done. And we watch him over and over in, in scripture going to God and praying for the spirit to come and to be the, spirit, be the comfort, praying for the spirit to guide him, praying for the spirit to walk through that. And to make that even clear, let's go to John chapter 1, verses 32 through 34. It says, And John bore witness, I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is the one who baptizes uh, with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. And again, we see at Pentecost the Spirit coming down on the apostles, which ushers in the season that the Spirit was not just for Jesus. The Spirit was not just to be on him, but the Spirit is then given to all of us. And then Jesus, where John baptizes with water, Jesus then baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, there's this idea that the Holy Spirit is coming in upon us. Now, 
as soon as we start talking about the Holy Spirit, for some of us in this room, this becomes difficult because again, you're going, okay, but where do I see the God? Where do I see the Spirit manifest? Where do I see this happen? I mean, where does this really take place? I mean, I accepted Him, and where does it take place? It has been interesting um, over uh, all the years that I've done ministry, and even before that, when I was when in high school and junior high, and and being around people. It is interesting how we can see the Holy Spirit move in people that can't see him move in them. Let me explain that to you. I have friends that have come to Christ, and um, they can't see the change that is happening, but from the outside, we can start to see the change that's happening. All of a sudden, their very nature starts to change, and their attitudes begin to change, and things that were never important to them become important, and things that, by the way, were once really important all of a sudden seem to diminish, and I believe that is the power of the Holy Spirit. And because it happens, I think, in our lives sometimes so slowly, we're not just so aware of how much the Holy Spirit is moving and is acting in our lives. And God goes, look, I want to give you this uh, person of the Holy Spirit to come into you and therefore sustain you and the things that you do. John 14, 15 through 20. This is Jesus really just having this whole time, and he talks a lot about the Spirit. It says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay. We get that. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot see because it cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows, nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. When we come to Christ, and we do what is really needed, this act of repentance, this act of understanding that I can't do it on my own, that I don't have the ability to save myself, that I need a Savior, that I need a Redeemer. When I come to that moment, and I lay that all out and say, God, I'm yours, and we literally just try, stop trying to be the one in charge and let him have his way, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, comes. And he begins to dwell in you. Now, there becomes the battle. There becomes the battle. Because what happens is, is that we let them into our lives, but what's, it's interesting, we kind of let them only, if we see our, our heart as rooms, we kind of let them into certain parts of our lives, but sometimes not all of our lives. We'll let them come in and be here. This is where we clean things up. This is where we made things nice. But we don't want them in that closet, and we don't want them in that storage unit, because that's the stuff that we hold on to. And it is a hard thing to battle to let the Holy Spirit come in and have his way with all of you. To go into those things that you struggle with. To go into those things that you are um, ashamed of. To come to those places and let those things be brought to light. But if he dwells amongst us, he's not asking to just be kept in one room. How many of you guys grew up where your mom had the living room that no one ever went into? Someone have those homes? You know what I'm talking about? And by the way, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, this is where you would have couches covered in plastic. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? And here's the question. My mom had that, and I never found out that we had anyone good enough to take the plastic off of. So I was waiting for, like, are you waiting for the queen? Are you waiting for the president? Like, what are you waiting for to take this stuff off? Because none of our friends were good enough to take off the plastic. Does that make sense? All of them were dirty that they would somehow taint this living room. But it was the weirdest thing to have this room. That not, you got, and if you've never experienced it, it is this weird thing. It's like the soap that you're not allowed to use in the bathroom or the towels you're not allowed to use in the bathroom. It's like, no, those are for the guests. Well, who are the guests? Because not one of them has used those towels or those soaps. 
No one else, we, it's not like my mom went, you're worthy, use the soaps. She never said that to anybody. But we do that with the Holy Spirit. This is his room. But in some ways, we keep the plastic on the couch. It's going to be Dave Busby. And I always give this, I want to make sure I give uh, credit to him. Dave Busby was one of these guys when I was in youth ministry. We would go and hear him speak. He was the angriest speaker I ever heard. Just was angry. Um, he had cystic fibrosis. Um, for him to speak took all of his, in- his energy. He only had, I think, something like 15% of his lung ability. And then he would get all fired up. And you just thought the whole time he was going to die on stage because he would just be angry and couldn't breathe. It was amazing. You can look up online. He has some amazing sermons. But one of them that he talked about that has stayed with me to this day, and the reason, maybe the reason I'm thinking about this is because I have to do this at my house this week, but he talked about cesspools. You weren't ready for that, but here we go. And now you know what I'm doing this week. Anyway, so um, Tuesday, 2 o'clock, if you want to come by, it's going to be awesome. So here's the deal. He said, here's the deal. We let God into our, into our house and um, we, we want to keep him in the parlor. We want to keep him in this room. And he was using this illustration. He goes, but here's what Jesus does. Jesus walks into the door where the Holy Spirit comes through your house, goes out the back door, and jumps in the cesspool. And with his very being, wipes the walls of that cesspool gleaming white. And says, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm here. Stop playing games. Let the Holy Spirit dwell in you. You're not hiding anything from him. It's not like he doesn't know. It's not like you can put enough perfume in the room or air freshener or cover things up with enough stuff he knows. Let him dwell. For he dwells in you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet, a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, and you also will live. See, we live because of the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, deeper than we can imagine. And it goes on in verse 20 to say, in that day you will know that I am in, I am in the Father, and you in me, and listen, and I in you. So why does he move in? To sustain you, so that you're not alone. So that you don't have to go through things alone. So many times we feel alone. He goes, no, I'm here. And what I love again, as we looked when we were in the book of Hebrews, is he comes as one who understands our struggle. He's not one so high that he doesn't get our daily struggles. He does. And he wants to dwell in that. And some of the mundane things that we don't think to even share with him, he goes, I'll take those too. I'll take those too. John 14, 25 through 29. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said. It is a crazy thing in my life that I have gone into situations where all of a sudden Scripture starts to flow that I promise you I didn't read that morning or memorize that week or have there. It is the Holy Spirit. And it's crazy that they're literally, I will speak to somebody and the Holy Spirit will begin to speak through me. And when it's over, it's not like I can pull the, I, 
I can't pull those verses up again. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit shows up. And he teaches me things, deeper things than I could ever imagine. I'll give you a little hint about um, your pastor. There are things, and I'm just being honest with you, that I have said from this stage that I have learned from as they've come out of my mouth. Let me say that to you again. As your pastor, there's things I've said from this stage that as I am saying them, I am learning from them as they come out of their mouth. Meaning the Holy Spirit is speaking through me, and by the way, I'm hearing that truth as well. Does that make sense? Because the thing is, I can have something where all of a sudden maybe I understand it from an analytical mindset, or I can understand it from... All of a sudden it comes out and God goes, no, Jeff, that was for you. You're just the voice that I'm using today, but you need this teaching. And so some of you guys are like, oh, Jeff is, oh, look what he's saying. Folks, I'm just as shocked as you are. (laughs) And my family is really shocked a lot of the time. And that's why they know there's a God. All right, here we go. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. My peace I give to you. See, that's this idea of sustenance. That there is a God that wants to give you a peace in the middle of the storm because I got you. I'm blown away by people going through incredibly difficult things that have a peace that is sustaining them. Everything on the outside says, man, you should be pulling out your hair and running crazy. And they sit in this place because I believe they're being sustained in peace. Sustained. And you go to that person and you ask them, how are you able to be so calm? Or how are you able to be um, so apart? And they're like, Christ, he's sustaining me. And my sister died. I just remember there were days I wondered how I continued to stand. And I believe the Holy Spirit gave strength to feeble legs and gave strength to a spine that wanted just to curl curl into a ball and be done. And he brings peace. But we can't believe it until we get into those moments. Verse 28. You heard me say to you, I'm going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father. I love that phrase. If you love me, like, he's going home. He's going to the better place. You would rejoice that he went to the cross because he gets to go be with the Father. Same thing Paul says, you know, to live, to live as Christ, to die is gain. Like, you should rejoice. I'm going to the better place. But watch what he says next. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. When he went to heaven, he's saying, you guys should be rejoicing because I'm going home, but I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to send you a helper. And they experienced that. They experienced that on Pentecost. Peter, who denied him three times, stands before this crowd and just with power through the Holy Spirit proclaims the life of Christ. Proclaims the life of Christ. John 16, 7 through 15. Verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. 
For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So there's this thing where Christ goes, no, the helper coming in and indwelling in you is really powerful, really needed, really significant. But what we don't do is we don't give the Holy Spirit enough of of a connection with us. I'm going to tell you the one thing in the last probably two to three years that I've tried to do is, yes, I pray in Jesus' name. But there's times when I just want to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, do you have me here? Holy Spirit, are you walking with me on this? Can you teach me? Can you guide me? I'm, I'm asking for wisdom. Can you make me smarter than I am? And by the way, I'm not that smart. Can you give me really big, big-sized chunks of bread to follow the, the bread trail that you have? Oops. Can you have me do that? And then God will show up in this place, in this place of this miracle, and I see the Holy Spirit moving. And it's one of the reasons we ask you to reach into your inner circle, that you pray for the people in your inner circle, because the Holy Spirit makes those things happen. And I'm just telling you, one of the things you're supposed to be doing before you ever, you're like, okay, that's the person in my inner circle, before you even talk to them, praying that the Holy Spirit will make the connection possible. And by the way, when you pray that with earnestness, He will make that connection possible. It keeps happening to me. I had a person that's in my inner circle that just kind of keeps looping in and out. And I go, wait, wait, God, okay, make it, and they show up. I ran into them at a store. I'm like, what is this? Because the Holy Spirit, well, you asked. So here we go. Verse 8, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. The world doesn't believe in him, and so the, the Holy Spirit has the ability to go, wait a minute, this thing that you're doing, that by the way you're okay with, that you think is all right, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's able to shine a light into that, and for the first time they question some of their values. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. There needs to be rightness in us. Jesus is not here. He's with the Father. There needs to be rightness in us. And we need to have those people that are shining the light that we are going to be talking about even tonight at our meeting. Concerning judgment, because the rule of this world is judged. The rule of this world, Satan, is already judged. We know what the judgment is. We know what's going to happen. But there has to be judgment, and the Holy Spirit's going to play a role in that. Watch what happens. I, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. One of the ways in which God speaks to us, obviously, is by his word. For those of you that say, God's not speaking to me, my question is, are you in his word? Because that's one of the ways in which he speaks. But I will also tell you, people say, well, do you hear the voice of God? All I know is, in these moments, I just have a voice inside of my heart. People say it's inside your mind, whichever you want to say it, that begins to speak into me words of peace or encouragement. And by the way, sometimes I want to fight those and I want to hold on to my anger. I want to hold on to my frustration. I want to hold on to my depression, all those things. And the Holy Spirit's going, no, I still have you. 
I still have you. I still am here. I'm still fighting for you. And I'm still in your cesspool cleaning up your mess. I'm here. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take it. I'm sorry, that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit needs to be able to sustain you by declaring truth over you, which, by the way, you will tell yourself lies all the time. So one of the things that's happening in our society that is really scary is we're becoming a very feeling-based society. And it's scary, but folks, how many times have your feelings let you down? Let's just be honest. I mean, you feel it passionately and powerfully, but when you look back, you go, man, my feelings were not what I needed to base that on. The song we just sang, when I don't see it, you're working. When I don't feel it, you're working. But we can feel God. We go, you're silent, or you're quiet, or you're not doing this, or you're allowing this. And we have all of these feelings when the reality is, is that truth needs to come through. And I do believe that the Holy Spirit's purpose is to speak truth. Speak truth. Speak truth to us in a way that says that you are good because you're his and he has you. But we lie so much on feelings because we have a society that is saying feelings matter more. And I'm just telling you, our feelings are not the best way to guide our lives. We need truth. And he will declare it to it to you. But here's the thing. Do you give him a place to do so? Now, I do believe that the Holy Spirit's able to come even into the noisiness of our lives and, and, and say some of those things. But I will tell you that over and over when we look throughout Scripture, there's this place where there's this quiet whisper where God speaks. And if our lives are so noisy and we don't take time to sit, if we don't take time to be quiet, then we struggle. Um, my brain... God, this gets scary. Um, my brain, I wake up, I feel like it's going 100 miles an hour. And for the last couple of years, I've really been trying to kind of create a place for quiet. Um, when I was in uh, college, I graduated, went to a place called The Ranch, and they took us out on a 14-day non-impact camping trip. A 24-hour period was called a time of silence. They literally took us out into the Sierras. Here's your little tent roll. Uh, it was a fast. Um, uh, you got your Bible. You got a pen. You got a tent roll. And they literally walked us off, and they go, okay, here is your acre. And so for 24 hours, I was to be alone in silence in my acre. I'm going to be fully honest with you. I battled for about 18 hours of that silence because my brain just would not slow down to let that happen. Remember the greatest moment was a cow came into my acre? I'm like, hey, a friend. <laughs> but finally, I remember the moment when I finally got quiet enough that I could start to hear his voice. I'm just being honest with you. It takes work to be quiet. It takes work to sit in a place where you say, God, just speak to me. And by the way, the moment you say that, then a thought comes in, and I got this to do, and I got that to do, and what about this? I got to rein it back in, push all that out. One of the things I just do is I just have a journal that I do, and as soon as thought comes in, I write it down so that it's done. Because as soon as I write it down, then I think about it more, and it's done. And I go back. Folks, I'm just telling you, he wants to declare some things to you. But it, by the way, this is learned. It is a process. 
and just like anything else, working out or anything else, it takes effort. It just does. This is Romans 5.5. 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Look at that phrase. God's love has been poured into our hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit. That is sustaining. You want to know the love of Christ, then what happens is he pours that into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That is a sustaining knowledge of knowing that you're loved no matter what. Even if you've blown it. Even if you've been stupid. Even if you haven't spoken to God for a long time. The Holy Spirit wants to pour his love into you and let you know that you're okay. Just like the prodigal son, come home. He's waiting on the porch for you. God's love has been poured into our hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within whom you have from God? Your body, and I know, I know you're looking like, yes, what an amazing temple it is. This is amazing. But the reality is Christ, through the Holy Spirit, has decided to dwell in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit within whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. By the way, that's, that is a true statement of you to go, maybe I should take care of, think about what I do, what I let this experience, and where I go. Because let me tell you something, the Holy Spirit's going with you. The Holy Spirit's going with you. No matter where you decide to go, you are that temple, and he is going with you. And it should actually humble us to think some of the places we have taken the Holy Spirit. It should challenge us. Titus 3, 3 through 7. I told you, a lot of scripture. You're okay. You're doing all right. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. I'm going to read this to you again. For we were ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing on our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, which he, which, I'm sorry, mercy, by the washing and This is such a good passage, I don't want to mess it up. Let me read it again. He saved us, not because of the works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So this body was into its own passions, its own desires, its own things, but if I come, he wants to let the Holy Spirit wash me, rejuvenate me, regenerate me. And the Holy Spirit wants to be in that process all the time. Yes, 51 years old. It ain't getting any better, folks. It's just not. But as I get older, I want to be closer, I want to be truer, I want to be purer, I want to know more. And the Holy Spirit goes, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. And he wants to wash us and cleanse us and take those things away from us. I'm not going to do it because I'm righteous. I was doing a devotion this week, and it just really caught my eye. I said, this is interesting, and it was, it, we make sin... Um, and the temptation, the problem. And the problem is, no, it's only my own heart. I'll give you an example of that. I could get 
four men or four women, and the fact is the temptation could come up, and the reality is it may only affect two of them. Does that make sense? Certain temptation. I don't care what it is. Say it's uh, greed or, or gossip, and maybe only two of those people um, would be affected by that. So the thing is, it's not temptation and not sin. It's the heart of the person that, by the way, will receive that because their hearts are already in that place. Does that make sense? Because these two people would be affected by something else, and these two middle people would be affected different than the outer two. And the outer two, do you understand what I'm saying? The issue is in us. Because there's temptations out there that just go right past me. They're not on my radar. There's temptations that will hit me right in the middle of my chest. And you know that to be true as well, right? So the issue is not the sin. The issue is you and your heart and the things in your heart that you desire. And that, by the way, that you love and that are enticing to you. And the Holy Spirit's trying to say to you, Jeff, you're not like everybody else. You don't have the same temptations as everybody else. You have your own issues, and I'm here to work with you. I'm here to point these things out. I'm here to tell you this is why you need to be washed and renewed. This is why you need to protect yourself. Yes, in general, you always need to be watching out for sin. But Jeff, for you, these are areas you really need to work on. And the Holy Spirit is whispering to you going, you understand you struggle with greed or you struggle with malice or you struggle with all these different things. I'm just telling you, we kind of go, oh, the problem is temptation and sin. No, no, come back. The problem is you. And let me tell you something. Satan's going to keep throwing, listen to me, he's going to keep throwing things against the wall to see what sticks. And what sticks comes out of your own heart. And that's why the Holy Spirit wants to dwell in you and sustain you in these moments. When we poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Lord, the Holy Spirit poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Heirs of the hope of eternal life. First Corinthians 2, 12 through 16. Now we have received not a spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Now watch what happens next. The natural person, common person, the Bible would call them pagan, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Don't be surprised that those who are closest to you who are still of the world are not going to be able to understand what you're going through when you let the Holy Spirit work on you. They're not going to get it. They're not going to see it. And what's going to be obvious to you as the Holy Spirit works on you will not be obvious to the people around you. Matter of fact, it'll look like foolishness. Why would you do that? Why would you even take that step? Because again, the Spirit is working on you differently than the natural world can even perceive. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For he who understood the mind of the Lord, so as, so for who has understood the mind of the Lord to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is what's meant to sustain us. That all of a sudden I see the world differently than the world wants me to see it. And all of a sudden, again, the Holy Spirit indwelling in me Let's me be sustained because hopefully I'm not running down the rabbit trails that the rest of the world just keeps offering. I'm not. Our last passage, 2 Timothy 1, 13 through 14. Follow the pattern of the sound, uh, sorry, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me 
and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Watch this. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. See, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Guard that. Because it's been entrusted to you to sustain you. Folks, our hope is that not only do you become a follower of Jesus because he's your savior, follower of Jesus because he is good, but that the Holy Spirit starts to come into your life to sustain you, to keep you from the things that would destroy you, your family, those you love, that would help you to grow out of the places in which you are broken, to help you go into places in which you can be sustained. He is our sustenance. And folks, the more that we take our focus off of things like the Holy Spirit, his word, and his truth, and we put it on the things that we feel like we have control of, then the fact is we're missing the point. My heart's desire for you is that you come away going, I'm sustained, I'm sustained, I'm sustained, I'm sustained because of who the Holy Spirit is doing in me. And, and I just want to challenge you that you literally stop and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And you put yourself in situations where he gets to use you as his mouthpiece. You'll be blown away. Because he will bring into remembrance scripture. He will bring in remembrance of things that are said. And by the way, he wants to teach your heart how to walk more closely to him. In this series, we want you to be a people sustained by the Holy Spirit who is a promise, a helper, and a comforter, a deposit given to you by Jesus Christ himself. That you stand in that truth work from that truth, and live out of that truth. So here's my challenge. Open up your heart. Let the Holy Spirit go into every room, every closet, every nook and cranny, yes, even into the septic tank. And let him take care and start to give those things up. It will bring life to you, and you will be sustained. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would use today's message, that you would use this, that we, Father, the Spirit would become and begin to speak, whispering to us, we would find ourselves quiet enough to hear, and Father, that we would be in a place of letting you work. God, you're a good God, and we trust you, and we trust you, Father, that you are going to let the Spirit move, and that we will find ourselves not needing the things of this world, that will not feed us and not satisfy us, but we will be sustained. So Father, thank you. I pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.